Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I'm your intrepid host, Justin Michael, doing my best, William Shatner. We're joined here by Gabrielle Blackwell, who is the Sastris. Love to learn more about that. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'll be honest, I had to Google intrepid just to make sure that I'm uh, on the same page as you. <laughs> I love that word because it's kind of what we do. You know, we call a lot of strangers, we contact them, we try to be fearless, but we also try to have empathy and do it in a way where we interrupt them with value. Can you tell me about Sastris? That's a fun moniker and how that's going in social media for you. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half or so ago, I really got into like tarot card readings and Oracle card readings and just kind of like the whole slew of divination, what that means in the world of magic. Right. And so like Sastris to me is like very much like a, a magical word, right. Thinking about SAS, the industry that we're in, and the work that we're doing, but also the stress, right? So that to me was just kind of a nice blend of both the technology side of things that I do, my professional world, but then also the personal side of things where I'm very much interested in, in the magic of things. I love that. So can you walk us through sort of your background in SaaS and with SDRs? Because I'd love to learn more about how you kind of came to your position today. We're getting into some more futuristic questions. Yeah, definitely. So I, uh, funny, so I, I graduated college in 2012 as a public policy analysis major, have done absolutely nothing with the degree since I, I lived in Paris for a couple of years as an, an au pair. Actually, when I came back to the States, I was thinking that I would go into consulting at, you know, a firm, like let's say like Deloitte or Accenture or something on those lines. Those plans didn't pan out. Right. So I, I had a moment to think about what do I actually want to do with my life? Where do I want to be in my career? And, and where do I start? And so sales development specifically was the answer. So I started off as a sales development rep back in 2015. I worked at a company called CloudWords, then worked at Acton, became an SDR manager at a company called CloudAbility. And I'm currently an SDR manager now at Infitor Data Solutions. That's awesome. I've had some great conversations with you about the future of SDR data. I'm really curious your thoughts, if you have some philosophy on that, because I think a huge systemic problem for all the listeners on this call is, how do I get to my target? You know, I'm gonna load up all these sequencers and use all this cool tech, but it's very hard to find email addresses where you can deliver and phone numbers that work. Can you walk me through how you do it, maybe how your solution does. You know, this is as much about you as it is your tech. This, this show is all about you, XDR. <laughs> right. So yeah, definitely. I think the job of a sales development rep becomes infinitely easier when you have really great data. So think if you're an organization and your data is subpar, what this means is a huge sunk 
a sink of time, right, for the SDRs as they're sending out emails or they're calling and they're not able to get con a connection with anyone because they just don't have the ability to connect. I think at this point in time, right, there's the productivity challenges, but I think you also think about the, the morale of the SDRs and like how successful your sales development team can actually be and how, what are the returns going to be in the investment that you're making in the sales development team? So I don't have the perfect answer, right? I don't, I don't know what the perfect solution is for the data challenges, but what I do know, especially from working at Infutor Data Solutions, we're a consumer data company, is there are opportunities to create essentially like a waterfall system of data verification and validation. So I've been at organizations where we only have one data vendor, right? And so we are, we can really only go as far as that data vendor can go. But I also know there's other organizations who essentially have maybe a Zoom info, Discover Org set up initially, and they're validating and verifying those emails or contact numbers through other systems like Seamless or what's another one? Lead IQ? Yeah, Lead IQ, Lusha. I was also even thinking about, I don't know why I can't remember the name right now, but it's like an orange horse looking thing. As an I icon. The color of orange. I just got, you know, lost in some kind of Game of Thrones fantasy there with an orange. <laughs> I'm trying to bring a lot of pop culture and fun. Yeah. To be. That kind of segues another thing. So we're trying to crack our data. How do you keep this role interesting, right? You talked about being a Deloitte analyst. I always joke, I, I usually wear like a NASA hat around yeah. where I live. And people will legitimately look at me and say, oh, do you work for NASA? I'm like, I don't work for NASA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do sales development. How do you keep it fun? How do you keep it interesting for your team, right? Because a lot of repetition, mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of yeah. Training, you know, and so how is it gamification? Is it curiosity? Like what's your superhero skill there for yourself and your Ooh, team? That's a good one. Here, so I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer maybe in a, in, a, in a different kind of way. I think in thinking about the future of sales development, what does it look like? What are we moving into? Especially as there might be a lot more that can be automated or augmented, right through machine learning or artificial intelligence. I think the role of a human, right, in the sales development position, is going to be all about creativity, right? What can? What is it that a human can do that a machine can't do? I think at that point, you're really talking about emotional intelligence, right? You're talking about creativity. You're, you're really going in within and taking out like that inner goodness and richness of the person and then bringing that out onto the screen or out into a phone call or out when you're at, when trade shows and conferences open back up, it's going to be about engaging with the personality more than anything else. So in terms of like how to keep the SDR role interesting and engaging, I think it's like, okay, well, think about the person right in front of me. What is it that they're very interested in? What are the things that fuel them? What are the things that they could do a billion bajillion times, right? And still like have so much fun with it. So I think it's really about aligning to the individual. What are their strengths, right? What are their true core strengths? Maybe one person on my team, for example, he's really good at engaging with people in a verbal manner while I have another person who's very good at researching. So with the person who's really good at researching, it's like, hey, why don't you research all the tools <laughs> and things like that, that we could really benefit from bringing that back into the SDR team or for somebody who's really good at articulating themselves. It's like, all right, I understand that we're an email, a more email centric organization, but it seems like there's an opportunity for you to really have a killing using the phone. So I think it's really about, this is not just the SDR themselves, but really about the SDR manager or the sales kind of culture is really paying attention to the individual in front of you who's in the SDRC and trying to identify the ways in which they can truly enhance and accentuate like their unique skills and qualities. You've just hit on 
like literally my thesis from hundreds of hours of resource you've uh, <laughs> you have, you've hit the nail on the head honestly that creativity is the first thing you double clicked on we can string all the ais together and the synthesis of what a creative person who's capturing like that gut read and the thin slice of what another human being's all about what they're passionate about that interplay we're so far away from that so right. and then number 2 you've highlighted the money ball aspect hey there's flavors of SDRs. Certain people are like introverted and that's good or they're extroverted or they like to do social research or calls or they want to analyze tech stacks, BI, that let's do business intelligence. Maybe they're the targeters. They're going to figure out your best clients and look for trigger events. So it's great. So you're thinking Moneyball. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I've always struggled with the motivation of repetitive tasks and how mm -hmm. do you keep people you know, going for it? So it's really cool to see how you just nailed those two things that just come up as a theme over and over again. Where do you think we start to see a more practical application of art artificial intelligence and machine learning? Whether it's within your own data stack, you're getting sold to by a lot of vendors right now. We used to call it fake AI, where it's just automation yeah. and sets. It's not really artificial intelligence. What problems are you having where you think it could work? Where are you seeing like roots and shoots of this tech is starting to be better? Like if you think three years ago or five years ago, as compared to now and then the next couple of years, you're really close to the front lines of this. I'm, I'm curious what you're seeing. Yeah, so here's where I think like AI machine learning is very appropriate. It's a, again, it's about, I have this I have this phrase that I would say as an SDR, I was like, listen, if I, the less I have to think, the better, right? The more that I can just do, the better. And so what are the things that I don't wanna think about as a rep, right? It's like. I don't want to think about where I need to find a number to reach somebody or an email to find somebody. I don't want to have to think about, oh, hey, like what, what are the investments that this company is making, right? So I want to save all my thinking, all my mental and emotional energy for when I'm actually engaging with the prospect and being very present with them. So there's one, I think there's one demonstration or one expression of AI that I've seen thus far, outreach is Kaya. I believe is how it's pronounced. And so it's very much about in the moment, like while the rep is having a conversation with the prospect, outreach is able to surface up certain questions, right? Or even certain like battle cards that a rep can have at their fingertips. So it's almost like on demand, here's what you need to know. Here's why you need to know, know it. Here's maybe some questions to ask. Like that to me, it's all about assisting the rep, right? Versus replacing the rep. So that's where I think, at the moment where I feel like I actually, this is something that will enhance sales across the board, sales development across the board. And then it also will allow me as a manager to really understand who are my best reps, right? And why, and then which reps maybe aren't the best fit for this role. Yeah. I always think about like the previous eras of assistant, like Clippy, little clip jumps in the corner. One thing it's old school, Justin. It's really old school. <laughs> I know. And it's not, nobody wants to talk to the Clippy. So it's like, they've done experiments. I've talked to some companies about why it's called Kaya, Knowledge Assistance AI uh, is what mm -hmm. it stands for. It's actually a beautiful Hawaiian word that I looked up because I thought, oh, they're going Hawaiian on the assistant. Well, it turned out that yeah. human names as assistants aren't as effective as sort of a amorphous name. But mm -hmm. I saw the movie Her. What I'm trying to do all the time through my work is bring the DeLorean, bring the Back to the Future. I'm trying to bring pop culture and the interest yeah. and the fun. I'm trying to let the B2B hair down, you know, mullet, little business mm -hmm. in the front, party in the back. So what could be cool with AI assistance during your day that you would mm -hmm. actually use? 
not just so a vendor can sell this to you, but so it's extremely valuable. And I think one of the biggest places is during the Zoom. Yeah. That's my question for you. How do you see real time alerting or queuing or assistance helping you during your calls, during your Zooms, out in the field? What would you want folks to build? What would actually help you? So there is a thing that I had created. It's a, it was a piece of paper with, so let me back it up. I was an SDR back in 2015 at this company called CloudWords. And so it was a translation management system. So, and then within that platform, there are maybe five different use cases that we're supporting. So it's everything from like content management to project management to a kind of like a, a memory database where we can keep storage of all the words that you've ever that you've ever translated so you don't have to keep on paying for these things. So what I did on this one piece of paper is I took little sticky notes and I had five sticky notes to match up to the five kind of use cases that we supported. And then on each sticky note, I had keywords, right? So think of like a hashtag. What are the words that prospects are going to say to me that it's the pro it's the marketplace language. It might not be cloud words, internal language. And then what is the translation from like, all right, Hey, the prospect says this one thing. Here's what this means in cloud words world. Right. And so this lets me know, number one, if this person says this word, oh, it's actually project management use case. Here's a string of questions that I need to have along there. So again, I had this piece of paper, the sticky notes, and I taped it to the wall behind me. So I was talking to someone, I would just turn my chair around, right? And I basically had this conversation guide. If someone could automate all of that, right? And give it to me real time, like, oh, hey, the prospect said this word, here's what you might be interested in. Basically a Siri during the conversation, the prospect doesn't know about, but that I do. And Siri's like, oh, hey, like, oh, you said this, here's what might be interesting, you know? I think those are the kind of things that would be incredibly helpful, like real time during the conversation. That's awesome. We need a system where any of the notes you're taking can be processized and easily accessed during the interaction. Now, there's this whole theory and joke that like, am I an AI, right? And so what would a human that was an AI hold up? Yeah. Perfect proof that I'm human. But yes. it's funny because I'm still, uh, just as a joke, I'm still using a yellow legal pad and a piece of pa paper. I think the, the thing I read is Marissa Meyer, when she was running Yahoo, would write these lists of like 30, 50 things. And her mentor would tell her if she finished the list, she did it wrong. 80-20 rule, right? You're prioritizing yeah. the stack ranking. How do you stay organized? This is another good question. You're running a yeah. team. You probably have yeah. your number overlay. You have, you have targets as the leader player coach targets as the individuals you got to coach them you got to have the one-on-ones you got to stay savvy on the product it's a organizational nightmare in a way what are your <laughs> tips for you know sdr managers sdrs and cro's or marketing leaders where they report to of helping to organize whether that is philosophically or with different organizational stacks because there's cool stuff coming out like mural yellow yeah. and all this stuff what what's your secret sauce it could be post-its a ton of respect. I got my legal pads right here. Yeah. So <laughs> quick, quick note, an ode to pen and paper. I, I am an avid journaler, <laughs> like voracious. In two years time, I think I've like completed, you know, one cover of the book to the next cover of the book, like 30 journals in the past two years alone. So I love writing things down. It's a way, like, I, I don't, maybe it's just the way that my brain works. If I don't write it down, I don't remember it. So I was very much the kind of person who was like, I was like, I need to actually take notes. I wouldn't want that taken away from me. Not today anyways, but in terms of how to organize, here's here, I'll, I'll answer the question through this lens. Like, here's what I see as the biggest breakdown to organization is not having a clear Northern star that everybody is 
that everybody is aligned around, right? Because like you can have a bunch of different tools like Trello or Atlassian's Confluence or, you know, like fill in the blank, whatever it is. But like, I know for myself as an SDR leader, right? I'm managing expectations with marketing. I'm managing expectations with sales, with, with executives as well, potentially with sales enablement too. So if each one of these departments, if each one of these organizations has different or differing or, or, uh, contradictory focuses, right. I'm never going to (laughs) sleep. So like, so I think so as an SDR manager, especially the SDR manager, because you're like right in the middle of everything. And I think probably another another department, another functional organization that could likely relate to this is sales enablement, being right in the middle of everything where potentially not everybody around you has a full understanding of what you do and what the scope of the work is and all the different pieces and nuances that go into delivering the function. It's very much about setting expectations at the very front end, right? And being incredibly communicative about, hey, like, here's what is a priority for sales development at the moment. Here's why it's a priority based off what I'm hearing from marketing, sales, sales enablement executives. And then here are the things that are going to get scheduled later. Here are the things that need to be delegated. And here are the things that we're not going to do, right? So this follows like the Eisenhower matrix of decision-making. So it's like, what isn't like, what is urgent? What needs to be done right now? Hey, inbound leads, <laughs> for example, we need to get on those right away. If it's something like, oh, hey, I think that we're going to roll out a new strategy for 2021. Can you drop everything that you're doing right this very second? Absolutely not. <laughs> but <laughs> no, like, let's, no. let's, let's schedule this for Q4, right? And then if there's anything else where it's just like, oh, hey, can we check out this new technology potentially, right? Is there somebody on my team who can do that? I can be honest. I don't know what an Eisenhower matrix is. Is that from Dwight D. Eisenhower or? I I would assume it's that. I think it's that. Main name Eisenhower. President Eisenhower. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to hashtag Girls Club. So Girls Club is an organization that is preparing women who are aspiring sales leaders to make that transition. And so one of the things that we learned about was the Eisenhower matrix and how to make decisions. So if you don't know about it, Google it. It's great. I love everything and I'm a big supporter of that organization. I, I love the work that you're doing to do a transition here into the back half of the show or back third. I'm really curious about so this whole like new normal, right? We're, we're living in strange days and times and it, maybe every generation can say that, but has there really been a pivot and a change of your go-to-market strategy or sort of your people process and technology in the, the past five or six months of this acute change mm-hmm. to remote? Are there things that were working better before that are working different now? There seems to be a whole theory and philosophy on how people are approaching it. I'm curious how you personally have approached this. Like, are there tips you can share with the listeners? Because they'll probably hear this in the next two to four weeks and they'll need to start doing stuff. I want my content to have how-tos. So, you know, Mm -hmm. how does Gabrielle Blackwell eat a Reese's? (laughs) Okay, so I think everything... Any change that is going to be implemented really should be driven by the marketplace. So what I think needs to happen or this is again, I don't have it all figured out, right? If somebody said, oh, hey, we know that we, we have the silver bullet to solve all your problems. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. I don't believe you. I'm a little bit apprehensive on that. But here, here's what I have seen or here's what I've observed is we're seeing more inbound traffic to our website. So we're seeing more people fill out inbound form leads. We're seeing more of those convert over. 
while it's happening, we're also, we don't have trade shows. We don't have conferences. Those were the biggest, not just lead generators, but pipeline generators for us as well. And then outbound has become six times harder, six times. That's insane. So the biggest thing that needs to happen, I don't have the very specifics, right? Cause it's very much going to depend upon your organization and then your marketplace is as much as possible, drive focus, right? So drive focus in terms of which, so for us, we had seven main verticals that we would go out. Three of those seven verticals were highly impacted by COVID. So it's like, all right, so maybe we're going to take the automotive industry out of, like, out of our focus on the SDR front and focus on these, these four industries right now. And how we actually know it's those four industries is that's what we're seeing most on the inbound traffic coming through. These are also the ones, even though it's taking six times as much effort to generate, let's say, one outbound opportunity, we're seeing that those four industries are better represented in those outbound efforts as well. And so I think that's also an invitation to like revisit your playbooks, right? And say, okay, is the way that we went to market at the beginning of the year, what was our ideal customer profile? Has that changed in the last, is that, has that changed in the last four months? Yes. Okay. Well, has that change been reflected in our playbooks? Has that been reflected in our efforts and in our focus? Then if the answer is no, that's an invitation to go in and ensure that Every effort from the bottom up, so SDRs, AEs, marketing, like all across the board is focused on what is actually going to convert. Otherwise, you're going to be spending a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of investment on things that will never convert for, let's say, until the economy opens back up. That's so eloquently put. So thank you for that. Let's break from that strategy into the tactics themselves. One thing I highlight is just, these are the facts, right? You've got People like Jeremy Donovan at Sales Loft looking across 6 million emails. I don't quite have the infrastructure to do that. Things happen immediately, like email reply rates were down, mm-hmm. double-digit percentages, let's just say. Phones seem to be up, double-digit percentages. LinkedIn does this wild thing from being a top 40 website to number 16, because I think you know, everyone in America went, let me look for a job at once. Or they were impacted or worried, and suddenly they shoot up to top 20, top 16 side. I mean, Reddit's like number four, so you got LinkedIn in the top 20. Did you see that where LinkedIn direct messaging starts to take off, or you see that calling is working better? What are some of the pivots and tactics, or do you use all the same tactics, nail the ICP vertical, and then just start, you know, do like like you said, focus? Where did you go with this to be agile and to keep your results moving? Because I think it'll help a lot of people listening. Yeah. So I think in terms of knowing like where to focus, uh, review your conversion data, assuming that you have a well-defined sales process with milestones attached to that, KPIs associated with those milestones, start looking at your data maybe in some different ways, right? So it's not just like overall pipeline, but it's, all right, hey, what is this pipeline by industry, pipeline by region, pipeline by title, right? So any way that you can splice and dice the data, check just play around with it, right? Because there might be one, I think this is something that people should just do from now on, right? I've been doing it myself. And I'm like, wow, I would have never thought to look at the data in this specific way had it's like, you know, we're trying all these other things and nothing's working. So it's almost like out of desperation comes innovation or like, what's the phrase? Like from scarcity comes innovation. For me, it's desperation. I'm like, all right, we need to hit this number. And I would like, I would like to my commission check to still look the same month over month. So that's like the first part of, all right, tactically, what can you do? In terms of like, okay, tactically, email, phone, social, like with LinkedIn specifically, the word that I've been using the most is differentiating, right? So 
differentiating could mean, all right, once you're actually on the phone and you're connected with someone, do you sound like a robot? Do you sound like the last four salespeople that reached out to them? Or is there something that you individually can do in order to stand out in terms of like the actual channels that reps are using today to engage with prospects? I think there's an opportunity to differentiate as well. So I I just made a post today about like, you know, my love for cold calling. I think um, when I was in SDR, I got so much success through cold calling. There were prospects that I would, I had on my list that I was targeting and I would not send them an email for three months and I would call them every single day. So I'm like, I don't want to give them the option to say no. So over email or to ignore me, right? So that was actually part of my strategy for my absolute top targets. I never sent them an email ever. So uh, for reps, right? That, not everybody can know what every sales rep in the US or in the world is doing today, but just look at your sales floor. Of all the activity that you see coming from the reps who are your peers and colleagues, what is the ratio of call, email, LinkedIn, for example? I know for my team, let's say five out of the seven reps on my team are probably 93% of their outreach is going to be LinkedIn and email, right? So what this means is like, all right, hey, like if I'm a rep and I know that basically 93% of everybody else is using the exact same channel that I'm using, right? Like what is a channel that doesn't have as much traffic where there's not as much noise where I can differentiate? So that might be calling. Yeah, so that, like, that was so helpful. I had another guest named Greg Casali from Reveneer and his whole strategy is you just keep making calls and the moment they pick up, then you start all the sequences. So there's like no touching until, no touches Mm-hmm. until you get the first which is the phone the high value and i've sort yeah. of financial advisors where it's like well we're going to talk about your portfolio face to face because we can't go human to human i think that's a genius strategy i've started to explore that it's really yeah. helpful i love how you talk about the blend in the last little bit here what is like a quote or like what do you read what inspires you this could be a non-sales book it could be yeah <laughs> anything i mean what what is uh exciting what gets you up in the morning You know, I just read this book. It's called Women Who Run With the Wolves, Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype. What this to me, it, so looks at, I grew up in the, I grew up under a Christian tradition. The Bible is very prevalent. I think I have at least four or five copies. This book reads like a Bible for women specifically. I think it's incredibly, it's an incredibly inspiring book. It helps me understand, okay, like what are the struggles that, you know, women or just people in general what are the struggles that we can face in our lives? And then what are the ways that we can come back to ourselves and even enhance and grow and grow ourselves? Why I think this is beneficial or why I think it's inspiring. It's helpful for me like individually as a woman, but also knowing that one part of the kind of, uh, what do you call that? Like the feminine energy is about being receptive and nurturing and patient and kind kind of thing. As a manager, this helps me understand the ways in which that I might have had a hard time how I can move through things, but then also what is the energy that I need to bring to my reps in order to create that safe space for them to be able to make those mistakes that they're going to make them right. But also learn and grow from them as well. So it's very much a book about, I think like understanding ourselves, like understanding myself as a woman, understanding how we can engage in the world and then also how we can better navigate to elicit a better outcome and a better life for ourselves. So that's, that's my plug in hashtag women rock. <laughs> oh, so inspired that's such a cool 
cool reference and uh, I love it. I, I do remember the first time I asked Scott Lee's, what's the best sales book? He said, it's not a sales book. And that's taken me down the journey to find inspiration in biographies and yeah. of, you know, interesting books. So thanks for sharing that one. Where can people find you and your work? If they hear this episode. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, I refuse to have an Instagram and a Twitter. So find <laughs> me on LinkedIn. Refuse. Find me on Twitter or not on Twitter, on LinkedIn. So Gabrielle Blackwell. If you look up the moniker sales development sastress, I'm there. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show, Gabrielle. Yeah, thank you, Justin. It's been fantastic.